In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. It's the third Sunday of Lent, and uh, we read the story of the prodigal son. The story of the prodigal son, or the lost son, is not just a story about sinfulness, but a story about sort of being lost. We call the story the prodigal son and we focus a lot on the the son who was uh, outwardly doing bad things. But the real emphasis is really not, shouldn't be on the son that was lost, not even really on the son that stayed in the field, but actually on the father. It's sort of the unveiling of who God is, the heart of God. So like the central truth or the meaning of the parable is the picture of the heavenly father's love towards Undeserving sinners. The younger son, he exploded in rebellion. He knew what he wanted. His desires led him to getting all the things that he thought would be good for him. He loved sin. He wanted satisfaction. He wanted to fill his appetite, his ambitions. He rebels against his father. He shows that he's dissatisfied with the things that his father gives him. The elder son, a little bit different. He liked it at home. But it wasn't necessarily that he loved his father. Just like the the younger son, he wanted a little bit to have his own way. He thought he was smart enough to sort of manage his father and get out of him what he wanted. And he loved himself also too much to be interested in pleasing anybody except himself. These are both two good pictures of Sinful people, people who are victimized by sin, deluded, deceived by sin, rebelling against the loving restraint of the Father. And again, it's a picture of the loving God who patiently and lovingly waits for the return of the lost. The story mentions that the lost son goes to a far country. The far country, so that we can understand clearly, is not measured by distance. Anywhere that a man is away from God, a world without God or a forgetful, a person who's forgetful of God, wherever you are, when you are not in fellowship with God, in your life is a far country. You do not belong in this country, this far country. They both, both sons sought to please themselves, which is sort of the essence of the far country, seeking to please themselves. It's important also to recognize that the, the far country has a lot of different roads. There are two very different roads traveled by these two sons. The departure of the younger person, the younger son, this, I think, type of lostness or farness is obvious. Obvious to the son and to everybody else in the story and to us listening to the story. He's not at home. He's in a far country. He's not a hard worker. He's a waster. That's actually what prodigal means. It means he's he's wasteful. He's not lifting up. He's dragging down. He's not creating, he's destroying. Why did the young man go into the far country? He went away because he's seeking how to please himself. He was so intent on pleasing himself that he didn't think any of, about sort of the loss, the pain that might come to himself, might come to his family, might come to anyone else for the things that he's doing. So this self-pleasing, this willingness to only make myself happy is the very essence of Sin in general. 
And this self-pleasing for this lost son was expensive. The person who is bent on pleasing themselves is going to pay a, a, a high price. If self-pleasing is the God that I will worship, it's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt others. No person has ever sinned without wounding someone else. It cost him this lost son, it cost him the fellowship of his father, it cost him the joys of his home, it cost him his freedom. You know, isn't it funny that the thing that he wanted, the reason he went out, was he wanted freedom. Give me, give me my inheritance. I want these things, I want my freedom. That's what he said to his father in the time of his sort of self-will and self-pleasing. Give me, give me my inheritance. When his heart was broken, when he was humbled, when he recognized how he was lost, instead of give me, he says, make me. Make me a hired servant. It cost him more even than his freedom. It cost him the, the doing of ugly and unclean tasks. To a Jewish person, a humiliation. To be eating and working among unclean animals. It cost him everything. The story says that he spent all that he had. When he reached the far country, what did he do? He, it says he wasted his life or his substance on prodigal living. He wasted what the father gave him on, on wasteful living. He took the gifts his father gave him, the inheritance his father gave him, and spent them in this faraway country without making any plans or provisions for you know, leaner times, harder times, for the ultimate needs of life. When it says he wasted his, his, his substance, or he wasted his inheritance, the father gave him gifts. The, the father gave him his inheritance. So the man is here, he's going out. When we are lost in a far country, we are going out and wasting the gifts that God gives us. And he joins himself to what? He says he joins himself to a citizen. And what's the citizen going to do? The citizen of the far country. He sends him into the fields to feed swine. So he's prolonging and worsening his degradation, deepening it. And he says, no man gave him anything. In the far country, their only interest in him was, he was a machine for feeding pigs. Every man for himself. If he fails, let him die. That's what the far country has for all of us. The far country will give us nothing. Have no pity, have no sympathy, have no help. There are certain other things that maybe stand out about the older brother. His whole attitude shows that his years of obedience, the time that he spent listening to his father had been years of sort of... Uh, obligation and grim duty and not a loving service. His whole attitude is a, a, a lack of sympathy. Right? In the end, he refers to his brother, not as my brother, but your son. He thinks very little of his brother. He says to his father, but as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. It's interesting to think about. Actually, there is no mention in the story that the prodigal son wasted money on harlots. Nobody said that. Christ didn't say that in the beginning. 
It wasn't described that way. But the son says, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. He suspected and accused his brother of sins he himself maybe would have liked to commit, but was staying in the fields. There are those of us who are lost as the elder son. But this type is not always considered lost, either by themselves or by others. And that actually makes the condition even more harsh and hopeless. He's not away in a distant land. He's not among swine, unclean animals, like the lost or the prodigal son. But he is just as lost. He's in an environment that's wholesome. He's in an environment that's clean. And look, actually, where was he even in the, within the property of the father? It says, now the elder son was in the field. He was not a waster. He was not like his brother. He was a worker. The fact that he's in the field means he's a hard worker. The other brother, actually, he had virtues which deserve respect. He didn't bring reproach to his father. He resisted temptation. He was a hard worker, industrious. He despised and did not like laziness and slothfulness. This is what he was sort of mad about within the brother. He was sort of against extravagance. His conduct in his life didn't create any scandal. He didn't like moral laxity. He didn't, he wasn't a gambler. He condemned lawlessness. He was entitled to all the credit that was due to him. But actually, the elder brother missed the high qualities in his father's life. He couldn't understand, for example, his father's patience, his father's forbearance, his father's grief over the younger brother, his father's sadness that he's absent from the home. His heart was like frozen with selfish conceit. He lacked understanding, he lacked compassion. His brother, the lost son, was a notorious, obvious sinner. He himself, righteous. His brother didn't deserve anything except to be abused, to be scolded. The older brother, in his eyes, deserved to be praised, deserved to be honored. He was a complete stranger to the things that his brother suffered because of his sin. He is completely out of sympathy for both his father and his brother. His father grieves over the fact that his younger son is in the far country. But the elder son doesn't say anywhere that he grieved. His being away from his brother is a matter of no importance to him from the story. And when the prodigal son returns, his father is rejoicing greatly, but there's no joy on the part of the son. He has no love for the father, he has no love for his brother. Some of you may have heard of uh, the seven deadly sins. Seven deadly sins actually are not mentioned in the Bible, but actually came from the desert fathers. And if you think about the, the seven deadly sins the, the, in tradition, four of them are of the mind and spirit, and three of them are pertaining to the flesh. It was the sins of the flesh, lust, gluttony, sloth, that was uh, the sins of the prodigal son. But it was the sins of the spirit, pride, covetousness, envy, anger, that were the ones that the older brother succumbed to. 
And actually those sins maybe are even more deadly than the sins of the flesh. Because those sins of the, of the spirit are, are born from a, a pride that makes all of our desires seem righteous and good. So in the end, that person becomes sort of repelled by the sins of other people and proud of their own sins. So those sins of the Spirit are, are, are really uh, easily for us to be deceived by them. And we can easily deceive the public and those who are in power into thinking either that these sins are harmless or as a matter of fact, they are good things, they're desirable things. And it's hard to awaken those sinners to a realization of their sin. If you were to go and ask the prodigal son, what do you think is going on? He's like, my life is a mess. I'm, I'm poor, I have nothing, I have no family, no one cares about me, I'm doing unclean work. It's obvious I've messed up. The older son, is very hard for him to come to the same realization. I'm fine, I have the full inheritance of my father coming to me, I'm working in the field. Everything outwardly seems okay. But both sons revolted against the father. The younger son revolted from his parental control. The older son from his parental love. Each of them wanted the same thing though. They wanted to have their own way. The far country, like I mentioned, is a land of poverty. You have to think about this. A lot of times we think being free, having freedom, is going to give us open up doors for us. But the far country is a land of poverty. He spent all. He was in famine. He was in want. It's always like that. It's costly to go and to live in the far country, to be far from fellowship with God. It costs our fellowship with the Father. It costs our freedom. It costs everything. The younger one was a slave, ended up being a slave to his own desires. The older one, he never enjoyed what he had. In Jeremiah chapter 5, he says, And your sins have withheld good things from you. So because of this sin, I was not able to enjoy the goodness of the Father. The far country also is a land of deception. It's a land of deception. It took time for the, the, the lost son to come to himself. Before that, he was out of his mind. Sin distorted his vision, clouded his mind. Sin is on some level insanity. And that same irrationality was existing in the older brother. As long as we are away from God, we are not really ourselves. We're only ourselves when we are truly home in fellowship with God. When speaking about returning home from the far country, the older brother is not recorded that the older brother ever came back. The younger son did. He recognized his desperate condition. Right? He thinks, he says things like, my father, when I had my father with me, and he thinks about his memories about how good it was to be in the homeless father. He talks about, I perish with hunger. Right? This is a confession. And we find it everywhere among people, among people who are poor, among people who are rich, among the famous, the young, the old. People confess that they are hungry without God. Then he recognizes what? He recognizes, I can be filled by God. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough food? So look at the steps of the son. 
He recognizes or he remembers his father. He remembers what fellowship with God the Father was like or his father was like. He recognizes I'm perishing with hunger. I'm dying. The things that are happening are killing me. He's recognizing that the father can give him what he needs. And then he has a determination to return. I will get up. I will go to my father. And then he went up and went to his father. And he rose and came to his father. He could have recognized his condition without returning. But he arose and came. After he came to himself, he came to a decision. And what was his decision? He didn't say, I will arise and, and change myself. I'm going to live a better life. That's not what he said. He didn't say, I will arise and I will start going to work. I'm going to work harder. It's good to work, but that wasn't what's going to help him. I will arise and go to my father. Like I'm never going to stop until I come face to face with God. So he resolved to go to his father and he decides to tell his father the exact, like the plain truth about himself. And he makes his decision, he puts it into effect and he rose and he comes to his father. How does the father receive him? First of all, he sees him from afar away. He has compassion on him. He loves him. He ran to him. Right? He's eager to restore him. He fell on his neck and kissed him. Right? Signs of restoration. When the son returned, he was forgiven, but he still he had to confess. That's the spirit of repentance. God forgives, but we need to acknowledge our sin. After he meets him and hugs him and kisses him on his neck, the son recognizes the love of the father, and that actually makes him grieve even more to have sinned against this love. In the Psalms it says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love towards those who fear him. And as far as the east from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Can, it's, a, it's a wonderful, amazing blessing that we have the opportunity to go to God and God is eager to hear from us and loves us and wants to embrace us when we return to Him. He says, Make me as one of your hired servants. You know, actually, a hired servant is even on some level at the time worse than a slave. The ordinary slave, in some sense, is belonging and a member of that family. But the hired servant could be dismissed, like in a day's notice. He was not part of the family at all. But he came home and his father didn't even give him a chance to ask to be a servant. He sort of broke in and, and, and interrupted him. And he gives him a robe. The robe stands for honor. He gives him his ring. The ring stands for authority. If I, if I give a person, another person, the, my signet ring, it's the same as giving him like in nowadays, like power of attorney. The shoes stand for a son. He's a son, not a slave. The children of the, of the, of the household had shoes. The slaves and the hard workers did not. So the robe, the ring, and the raw sandals are, are the things that await us. And these three things actually answer exactly the prayer which he prayed. The robe is to answer, I have sinned. And he gives him honor. The ring is to answer, I am no more worthy to be called, no longer worthy to be called your son. He gives him the ring. When he says, make me as your hired servants, he gives him the sandals. He puts the robe on him that is fitting for his father's house, 
the sign, the ring as a sign of his relationship or his sonship. He gives him shoes on his feet so they can differentiate him from the slaves. We all, all of us have been prodigal or wasteful of the gifts that God our Father has given us. We have all received them. But sometimes we live as though Christ never died for us. We live with ourselves at the center, away from the compassionate, the loving heart, from the home of the Father. And one of the things that I hope we can sort of think about as we are praying the, the rest of the liturgy, how can I stop being the prodigal son without turning into the older brother? How can I be stop being the prodigal son without turning into the older brother? We should examine ourselves today. Am I, am I the prodigal son? Return to God. Come to Him. He's looking for you. Have I turned myself into the older brother? Repent. Have God, ask God to teach me love and compassion. May the rest of our journey of Lent be blessed with the heavenly blessings and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.